Movies by Minute Project number five. It's Silverado this time. That's no jive. By Lawrence Kasdan, who wrote the show. Best saddle up now, kids, because here we go. Hey, howdy, and welcome to the hoedown here. And welcome back to another episode of the Silverado Minute Podcast. Each week, Movie by Minute's hosts examine the 1985 Lawrence Kasdan-directed Western Silverado, one minute of screen time per episode. I'm your host this week, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please, 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 I'm begging you, call me Sully. We're going to be talking about Minute 63, which Minute 63 begins with Hoyt saying to Ezra, it's too bad that his son went to town. And ends with Mal discovering his father in the stream, shot dead by the McKinnick men. Well, someone who would shoot back at the McKinnick men, even though he has lived a life of peace and happiness, he's always willing to fight. Someone always quick with a gun. I don't know where I'm going with any of this here. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have a segue there. His brother, Scott Michael Pomerick. How you doing, brother Scott Michael? I am doing great, Sully. It's great to be here again. Now, I just want to say one thing. You and I have been playing a little bit of email tag, trying to coordinate these episodes for literally months. And we finally got it to nail down now. Now, do you remember what prevented the first time we were sending to record? What what happened in your life that prevented our first time we were going to record? Uh, I think it was because I was getting ready to buy a house. No, it's because you were getting ready to become a father again. Well, that happened after all that. Interesting. But, yeah, but like we were like, oh, what about now? I said, well, actually, no, they're, they're, there's, uh, they're, they're inducing labor. I said, well, bring the, bring the laptop into the hospital. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that'd be a good episode. Like we're talking about uh, Silverado and we bring a child into the world. Imagine yeah, shopping. I think you you did email me at one point, uh, literally as we were in the the labor room, right? And, and before we were in the labor room, because I had my phone off when yeah, we were. Yeah, I was about to say that. We that's a moment waiting that's... to go into the. Now, yeah. now, just to show you how how differently you and I have uh, gone down uh, the religious roads in our lives. Uh, and again, I have nothing but respect and admiration for the fact that you're a member of the. Brotherhood of St. Gregory. Um, do you remember the last time I suggested we record? I said, hey, how about this Sunday? I'm free. Oh, and, yeah. and you said, it's Easter, which I would imagine is a big day for you. Well, yes. <laughs> yeah, and yes. me being slightly slightly a heathen going, oh, yeah, forgot. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> There's a reason it was free. <laughs> It's so, okay, you know. I mean, I don't expect uh, you or anybody else to, you know. We all have our different uh, paths. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, don't. I'm not recording this during the World Series. And I'm not sure to ask you to record this during Easter. So it all it all works out well. But we, hey, we're we're back here, and uh, uh, we're we're and um, I just wanted to say one quick thing. This is something uh, I I don't remember if I mentioned this when we did the when you did a few episodes with me for the uh, best years of our lives. But when I was going through my uh, mother's home, you know, just started going through some old stuff. 
Did I tell you the tape that I found? No. I found a tape of the Brothers of Dissidents. Oh, my goodness. That was your band that you had, I'm guessing, in the early 90s? When you were at San Francisco State, or was it another yeah, time? Yeah, very early 90s. Very yeah. early 90s. Uh, yeah, you've, you've caught on something that I, I think not many people have caught on to, but that brotherhood is a theme uh, going way back for me. That's why I brought it up when I saw that. And then little did we know the brotherhood was going to come up in a much different way. But yes. Yeah, very sharp. Yeah. Yep. Now, this was a period of time when you had a band um, and you went to, I guess, Kinko's to print out a thing for a cassette. I mean, right. we, were talk- we were talking about lousy uh, media that we used to consume our entertainment on, both VHS tapes and audio cassettes. But that was it, man. That was what we had. And we we made the best of it. Yeah. And you mentioned, you know, uh, you mentioned anyone with an iPhone it, it can be a filmmaker. Yeah. And I think the same is true. You know, anyone with an iPhone can be a uh, can record their band and send it out on SoundCloud or Bandcamp yeah. or whatever in, in ways that, you know, we had to actually rent recording equipment and well, the put world, it on cassettes for the, you know, 10 people who listened to our cassette and, and then, we, you know, later found it buried in their parents' house. Yeah. We both went to film school. The main reason is that's where the equipment was. Right. You know, you want, that's you wanted a camera. And you, they weren't everywhere, yeah. you know. That's where you. That's that's where you went. Well, I'll tell you, uh, someone who did go to film school and made a fine film was Lawrence Kasdan. I'm just trying to bring it back here because we get you and I could go on tangents like you can never believe. But I just wanted to. Yeah. I, I just thought I wanted to bring up the the brothers of dissidents because that that was. Uh, uh, I may I may transfer that and see if we can uh, see if you know maybe it'll be a big hit. But yeah, uh, please don't. Okay. <laughs> All right, so we'll go back here where um, poor Ezra has been um, basically surrounded by the by the posse led by um, Hoyt, who's loading up his gun and saying it's too bad. Uh, by the way, do you know what Mal stands for? I think only one. I think Ezra's the only person who refers to uh, Mal, Danny Glover's character, by his full name. Do you remember what it was? I think it's Malcolm, isn't it? Or am I it's that uh, Malachias. Oh, Malachias. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Now, I yeah. thought it was Malcolm too, but then I, I when I re I rewatched the film, um, you know, shortly before we were going to do this, and uh, um, I said, oh, his, his his father refers to him by his full name. Um, but then he loads the gun, and you know, and they do that. Uh, you know, they do a very clever thing here i think that you don't see him getting shot you don't see if he runs away Uh, they give him his dignity and in fact when i mean i'm skipping a little bit to the end of the minute here but where he is in the stream is not where he's standing when you see hoyt loading his gun so did he try to run away did they shoot him and they threw him into the river you know, they gave him the streams going the other way. So maybe if, he fell in the river and got pushed, you know, pushed out Ronnie Cox style is what you're saying. Well, I'm, I'm just saying like, if it, it like, I've always thought that my kind of assumption is that he like kind of 
floated or rolled or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, down to that branch. But I think that it's actually the streams flowing the other way and that's not possible. So either they just staged it to look like that because it looked more cinematically cool or he was, you know, running away. Yeah. As you say, or, you know, tried to get away. I like that. We don't know um, because you're not, you're, you're giving Ezra his dignity in a way that you're not seeing him. Um, And, but it also makes for the next, you know, the, the remainder of this minute is, I mean, we, you hear the gunshot (laughs) and it wakes up Mal as he's uh, in, you know, the cave that he's been hiding in. Uh, with that fire going and a lot of flammable stuff near that fire. I don't know. I couldn't live in the West. <laughs> I couldn't live in the West. I would be in, I would be upstairs in one of the rooms with Stella in Stella's bar um, because I'm just, I, I don't, I, I couldn't live in a cave like that. But then, you know, he gets up and you see him run down basically the same path that his dad did. Now it, um, you know, it's his, and again, great, uh, great location with those, kind of uh what are those even called those rock formations aces yeah it's the best name i can come up with for him but yeah if i you know if i if i did any research there's a couple of great that great shot where you see danny glover running down the hill and he's got the rifle in his hands and he sees the the posse riding away now we've already seen him on a high bluff being such a good shot, he could shoot John Cleese's hat clear off, right. you know, from a long distance. So you know that this group is that he knows they probably did something, and he could have picked them off one, two, three, four, like with with from where he was standing with ease. So it's right. one of the frustrating things that because he could kill them right then and there, but then he knows that if they hadn't killed his pop, then he would be starting a war needlessly yeah yeah and so and he even says later uh to lynn whitfield um you know i don't know for sure who did it but i have an idea right well that's but this is this allows him to say that right this allows right. him to say that and then you know he you know he runs down the hill he sees the hat and they tilt up and you see him and once again like i said in yesterday's minute there's no like elaborate crane shot or jib shots in any of these these are all on sticks um you know and but it doesn't matter because the the composition of what they're doing on them is so beautiful and then you know you see the hat you tilt up to him and then you see just the branch and you see his body there um and it's not even clear i mean you you don't even see his face it's not like you see the shock of white hair right Um, i'm very glad they did it this way yeah that you didn't see the bloodied father, you didn't see his head blown off, or what you know. The, as I said, it gives Ezra his, for lack of a word, his dignity in death. Um, but it also makes it there's a distance. It's like a frustration that you know he has to run this long way. Like when he first goes around, he sees he's being blocked by those rock formations. It's like I can't see anything. Where is it? I, I don't know what happened. He yeah. sees the glimpse of the posse. He sees the glimpse of you know his father in the in the branch by the uh, in the in the stream, and it it gives a sense of helplessness. You know, yeah. psychologically, a sense of helplessness. I'm too far away to do anything. Right. You know? And those those things do those incredible 
you know, the distance that first Ezra and then Mal go to get to the river, it feels like two different locations. And yeah. certainly, you know, in the West and particularly the mountain West, you can have, you know, a river surrounded by pine trees 10 feet away from those mesas, but it, it feels like, you know, yeah. he's not right there. There, there has to be some, some traveling that happens that, you know, is cut short by editing. Um, and it also, yeah. it, it shows you how beautiful New Mexico is, is that you could have, like when you see those desert, those desert rock formations, I see the desert, I think hot, but right. here you see there's snow. They're all wearing jackets. They're all wearing yeah. jackets. There's snow. You can see their breath. Uh, and so it just shows you what a, the, you know, what an interesting terrain. It's almost like the Genesis planet in Star Trek three, where there's, uh, <laughs> you know, you have the snow on the, on the cacti, um, you know, it, it's, it's all, it's all there. It's, it's wow. probably one of the things that made New Mexico, such a great shooting location for them because you could get so many different looks and feels and vistas and terrains within probably a very short distance of each other. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And uh, great. This is, yeah. Sorry. Didn't mean to cut you off there. What were you saying? No, uh, this is reminding me of something totally off topic. Uh, uh, many years ago, uh, I was producing broadcast graphics and, uh, the uh, art director uh, for this particular job we were doing, um, his name was Anne. She came up with this idea that we were going to have footsteps um, in all sorts of different uh, environments. It's just like a pair of boots mm -hmm. hiking mm -hmm. through desert and granite and uh you know, woods and lava and, uh, you know, like dry lava. Um, and we were in California, we were in San Francisco. And so with like, within a few hours drive, we could find all the different environments right. you could possibly imagine hiking boots, hiking through, because, you know, it's, there's so much different environment there. And, and I think New Mexico is a lot of the same. Well, I think in one way, it's one of the things that made it so fortunate that, I mean, that the film industry settled in Los Angeles when it did, because we're so close to the beach. We're so mm -hmm. close to like the rocks, you know, there's a, you know, we, you know, you could areas that, that look desert areas that look mountainous, you know, there's valleys, there's all sorts of things that can be, you get all these different uh, environments. And I do believe it's one of the reasons why, I mean, I'm not saying anything grandiose here. It's one of the reasons why Westerns became such a popular genre. Yes, the West, the Western became kind of American mythology and very, you know, there's appealing to uh, an American storytelling, but it's also probably super cheap to make. You know, if you build yeah. one Western town and then you drive, what, 20 minutes northeast of where I am right now, you could have the coolest Western location in the world. And it's just a horse riding around a rock. I mean, think right. about this location here. Not that Silverado was a small budget film. It wasn't, but it wasn't a massive budget film. It right. wasn't like, you know, a break the bank budget film. And I'm sure a lot of it was, you know, Bruce Broughton was a guest on with the Indiana Jones boys. And he was saying that watching the, this film without music um, 
some of it seemed a lot smaller in scale, but, Mm. but the photography and where like, like there's not huge crowds in the town. Silverado itself is only a couple of blocks. You know, there's not, like you said, the stampede without the music and everything looks like, like three cows running around a camera, but with the music and the photography and everything, it felt like this massive stampede. There were a lot of things that made it feel like this grand epic. And I think a lot of it was like you were saying the opening shot of, you know, the kind of the reference to the searchers of the door opening and coming out and seeing the Canyon. Well, that's just, that's the scenery doing the heavy lifting for you. Sure. It feels like an epic, even though most of it was shot kind of like this scene, which is they just found beautiful places to make it feel like a grandiose epic. Right. Right. And that's um, so much of the Western genre is about that is the landscape Mm-hmm. is doing the work and and it's you know you get your all of your american mythology of uh you know the lone hero um fighting against the wilderness in all of its various forms um yeah and I, but in uh, you know the i just love every composition in in these two minutes we have uh and and they're my favorite kind of compositions in a way in that um, they're not show-offs. They're not being, they're not doing a, I'm going to say something disparaging about a director here, but they're not doing the kind of the Brian De Palma cartwheels to sort of point a neon sign and say, look at this amazing shot I'm doing. Please, please notice this incredible shot. Uh, it's, it's making every scene uh, tell the story, but tell it in a very beautiful uh way and and to tell like you know framing the hat you know first framing mm-hmm. taking the hat away from the gun was the moment when he was became defenseless he sees the hat first like oh god my dad wouldn't be walking around without his hat for long here right um you know understanding what all that means there's very there's very little dialogue there's like yeah. i think he says daddy twice Right. <laughs> in this whole minute and you have uh him saying that's too bad at the very beginning um but yeah this is uh this is letting the the scenery do the do the talking in right. such a beautiful way yeah i um i want to go back to what you were talking about the the movie gives ezra his dignity by not showing his actual death on screen or you know mm-hmm. being um a, a little discreet in the showing of his dead body. And, and it's um, that maybe is a good jumping off point for talking about the way this movie deals with race. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, we are in a time 2022, as we record this um, in which there has been a, a commodification of the deaths of particularly black men Mm -hmm. um, who get, you know, shown on video cameras and, and, you know, become viral videos. And uh, this movie, that, that dignity is not uh, to be found in our society uh, as often. Um, And in some ways, this movie is wonderfully pioneering in having Danny Glover be one of the, the leads, the right, the four characters who are in that you know shot of everybody 
right mm-hmm. across the horizon. Um, the um, he is as much a part as anyone else in it, and seems to be uh, fully accepted without regard for race. Um, in by the by, you know, Scott Glenn and Kevin Costner and and Kevin Klein. Um, and it, it's it's great from a filmmaking point of view. It's great from uh, you know, because that's not an obvious choice. Um, mm-hmm. It's not an obvious choice in 2021. It's not, it certainly wasn't an obvious choice in the early eighties. Um, but uh, you know, in some ways I want to give a lot of kudos to Kazdan for doing that. In other ways, I wish he'd been a little bolder um, because this movie in making him an equal in some ways undercuts uh i think it it sort of ends up contributing to the myth that um so many people uh, love to dismiss racism as that's something that happened way in the past and it's right. something that was done only by people who were very obviously and uh, profoundly evil you know right. just guys with eye patches who were standing up on a rock over somebody saying i'm clearly gonna shoot you even though i'm gonna lie and say that i'm not gonna shoot you um and we've done that now and we're over we have black actors in movies in leading roles and we had a black president and everything's good and um you know i think this movie by being a little bit bold, I think, you know, can kind of contribute to that, that mm-hmm. myth of racism's right. in the past. And it was done by people who were obviously evil, not something that is ongoing and, and perpetuated by people who are just apathetic and, and well-intentioned. I think that, I, I think you made a lot of great, I think I agree with a lot of things you said there. I think that it is, it's not cut and dry. Um, I think that uh, including Glover in this and not avoiding race because they, you know, an end bomb was dropped in the, the Turley saloon, but John Cleese immediately diffused that because I don't like that word. So it was like, okay, so Cleese is a good guy. And so like, there's always that character that you have to, that has been put in to make a, a white audience feel more comfortable. Like, Oh, I would have been like John Cleese, which is one of the reasons why do the right thing was so agonizing to a lot of white viewers because they said, well, I would have been Danny Aiello. I would have been the nice guy to them. But then when Danny Aiello starts yelling at the end, (laughs) it's like, Oh, you're you're, like, I'm not even going to let you have Sal. You don't get Sal in this movie. Right. I'm not giving your, 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 and so many people were disturbed by the fact that Sal had a racist rant because wait, no, I was going to be Sal. Um, but at the same time, um, how many classic Westerns were Lily white and to be able to include, you know, to have this be a character to not totally avoid it, but also to, we're going to have some fun. And I think that, you know, there were the, the West was not completely white. I mean, that's one of the things that's mind boggling when you read about, you know, what, who was really out in the wild west 
and the mythology that they all look like John Wayne or or Lee Marvin is wrong. Yeah, and to, any place that you know cowhands and ranchers and and miners, you know, all the the people that populated the, the West, that there were some who were black. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, you know, so look at uh, most of the '80s is awful when you look at folks <laughs> of the '80s. I mean, you're like like. There's so many things you watch and I'm going, oh my God, oh God, no, no, there, no, no, ah. Uh, right. And so the fact that, you know, we can see stuff from then, uh, especially uh, a film that's trying to harken back to old classic Westerns, but doesn't make it Lily White, I'll give him credit for at least um, throwing in the first uh, attempt. Yeah. You know? um, I want to just give one, we begin a lot of uh, praise to the cinematography, which is done by uh, cinematographer. John Bailey was the cinematographer of this. Um, and he's had a long career. He had, hasn't had like the big Oscar winning, you know, um, resume, but he's done a lot of films that y- you've heard of. I mean, he clearly, he's worked with Kasdan several times, including the big chill, uh, including um, accidental tourist and Silverado. Uh, some of the other big, you know, he's done, he's shot some, and he also shot Crossroads with mm-hmm. the, the guitar yeah. kid with, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, um, uh, he, he's done some concert films, including swimming to Cambodia and really? the search for intelligent life with, uh, Lily Tomlin. Tomlin, um, some of the big, like, and a couple of big blockbusters, uh, that he's made, including groundhog day, uh, including, yeah. um, in the line of fire with Clint Eastwood um, and, you know, a couple of big films along the way. I mean, he's, you know, he still works, you know, he still does a lot of TV work and um, hmm. you know, so he's had a, he's had a great long career. Um, and uh, you know, this is, I think is probably, you know, we just give, uh, uh, give her credit as due. He's had a, you know, long, long, very long career. I mean, he's still, you know, he has a film, according to his IMDb page, he's a film in production. Um, he was born in 1942, so he is no spring chicken. His first, uh, you know, he's he's credited for like TV shows that from the from 50 years ago. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, uh, oh, the other, the, uh, the other, oh, the other big, uh, the other big blockbuster film which he did, which was Ordinary People for um, mm. Redford and. Uh, he he was the cinematographer for Continental Divide, which was uh, the John film that Belushi. John Belushi, Blair Brown. And it yeah. was the film that Lawrence Kasdan wrote on spec that Steven Spielberg bought, produced because he thought it was really good. And from the strength of that, hired him to write the screenplay for Raiders of the Lost Ark. Wow. And when Lee Brackett, the science fiction writer who was hired to write the screenplay for empire strikes back died uh lucas then said oh when you're done with this do you mind writing the second star wars film right and so but that was all based upon uh continental divide which was john belushi's attempt to stretch from being bluto and joliet jake Mm -hmm. to being more like trying to do more of a romantic lead and um who knows what would have happened? Because, you know, I mean, he the film came out, I'm going to guess, 80? 
Um, yeah, oh, 80, no, it came in 81, came out in 81, and Belushi died in 82. So, um, you know, and it took so a person like Robin Williams, it took him like, you know, Garp and Moscow and the Hudson did a bunch of times before he finally found his footing with Good Morning Vietnam and some of the other films, which is especially The Fisher King, where he was able to, you know, find his footing and sort of be able to straddle comedy and drama. Belushi probably could have been able to do that, but we'll never, we'll never know. But yeah, that was, uh, that was, uh, Kasdan wrote that. Well, if I knew that I'd forgotten it. Yeah. Uh, that was, there was like, they, the Belushi was not anyone's first choice to play that. And he kind of apparently fought for it because he wanted to, to stretch and Spielberg was the producer of that. And so there you go. Michael Apted well, wound up directing. it. So, okay. All right. Well, Hey, look at man. Um, I think we've, that we've covered everything we need to t- cover on this particular uh, minute. Um, any other f- parting thoughts on uh, on this wonderful film that I think aged really, really well? Yeah, it has aged really well. Uh, uh, it, it was fun to revisit it, which I hadn't done in in many a year, um, and uh, uh, it you know seeing it now. Uh, in much better quality than uh, I had in my dad's uh, dubbed uh, pan and scan, bad quality VHS, uh, you know, being able to see it. And and, uh, if not, it's, I've never seen it in a movie theater, but I've at least seen it on a bigger screen and a a Blu-ray and uh, it it holds up really well. It's just such a fun movie. Uh, So many fun things going on. You know, you, you hear, uh, a hint at the end of the movie that there's gonna that they must have been thinking about a sequel, yeah. and you wonder what that could have been. But you know, maybe it's best that it's just as well, it I would, is. I would have loved to have seen Silverado too. They were setting it up. You had the you know they were saying that that uh, Payton was going to be the sheriff. You had right. the, the the wagon train still going. Mal and his sister were going to try to rebuild their life. They're all this they they're setting it all up. And maybe Rosanna yeah. Arquette would have more than three lines in, in Silverado. Right. Too. But, uh, well, hey, look at man. This was so much fun. Uh, we'll tell people where they can follow you. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Brother Scott Michael, BR Scott Michael. Uh, I'm on the web and a blog page at uh, Brother Scott Michael.wordpress.com. And that one's spelled out B R O T H E R Scott Michael. Um, I'm also, I've just trained to be an end of life doula. And I've got a page about that at oh, wow. uh, Scott Michael BSG.wordpress.com. Oh, wow. Well, there you go. BSG is Brotherhood of St. Gregory. So, and you can follow um, follow me at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Also, follow my podcast, which is Locked On MLB, where we talk about baseball all year long. And um, check it, you know, just follow me on Twitter and I'll, I can tell you all the stuff I've done. I've, I've done, you and I have both done a lot of different things in our lives. And so, <laughs> um, and oh, by the way, just, uh, if you're on social media, check out the Midnight Star, the Silverado Minutes Listener Saloon. That is on Facebook and on Twitter at Silverado MXM. 
and the Silverado Minute Podcast, which you're currently listening to, so you found it, uh, is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or at the main site, which is SilveradoMinute.com. And by the way, there's so many of these movie by minute podcasts. I did Bull Durham Minute, um, and I've um, probably will, and I've been a guest on more of these than I can even count. Uh, it's available at MoviesByMinute.com. Check it out for some of the other great shows. And man, thanks so much. Now, we've just finished Minute 63. Uh, Minute 64, I'm bringing in another high school friend of mine, Mr. Greg Lee. When I was in high school, you know Greg Lee. When uh, when we were in high school, Brother Scott, Michael, and I would try to seek out the best films we could find. And with Greg Lee, we always sought to find the worst films we could (laughs) find. So on the other end of it, but he's also a huge, huge film fan and a big fan of this movie so next minute we're going to be hanging out with another dear friend of mine greg lee but for right now thank you for listening to us and make sure to join us here next time on silverado minute yeah